You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College Football Today. While the world is going to watch McGregor and Mayweather, we're watching week one of the college football season. Doesn't get better than this. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello breaking down four great games on tap today. Rich, I mean, we're going to take people straight through Friday, September 1st. And if you're a college football fan, it is full throttle ahead from now until January. You have waited, my friends. You've waited <laughs> since last January for college football. So even though the temperatures are hot, it's still summer. You might be at the beach. We have college football today. We have college football next Thursday. We have college football next Friday. And then finally next Saturday, the first big weekend of the season. It really is. And I think when you look at those marquee battles next weekend, I mean, interconference battles. We have Alabama that hasn't lost a week one game since 2001 going up against Florida State. That was 9-1 and one over the last 10 games against the SEC. And they won those games by 15.8 points per game. Their last loss, Rich, in 2012 to Florida. I mean, front and center stage power five conferences across the board next saturday i think the winner of that game you can almost pretty much put them in the playoffs really i I think alabama florida state winner of that game you could kind of give them a little soft pass put them in the hov lane to the uh, college football playoff i I don't know i I mean obviously a lot of season to play but it would be a tremendous boost to whoever wins that game and I, i listen i don't want to get too far ahead we have games today to talk about but I think that's going to be a very competitive game. This Florida State team is really on par with anyone in the SEC in terms of talent, including Alabama. And I think that's what makes the matchup so fascinating. It really is. And I think it's not only college football playoff, it's Heisman. Whichever quarterback can perform next Saturday, Hurts or DeAndre Francois, I think they're the inside front runner for the Heisman Trophy. Or you even have some running backs, too. You have Bo Scarborough, who was dynamic at the end of last season, including in the playoffs. You have two of the best true freshmen at any position in this game, and Najee Harris of Alabama and Cam Akers of Florida State. I'm eager to see Cam Akers. I mean, he is already listed in Las Vegas as I think it's 50-1 to odds as a Heisman contender. No, I'm not saying he's going to win it, but it is testament to how talented he is that he was playing high school last year, and now, you know, Las Vegas is giving him Heisman odds. So it's going to be exciting to see the heir apparent to Dalvin Cook in that game. And how Jimbo Fisher might utilize him in the short to intermediate passing game against Alabama's defense could be the matchup that you want to see play out in that ballgame. Because when you look at Alabama, they allowed three teams last year to pass for over 400 yards. It was Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Clemson. If you're DeAndre Francois and Florida State, you want to challenge that Alabama secondary. You're going to have a hard time, too, especially with the Florida <laughs> State receivers against Minka and Ronnie Harrison and the talent and that uh, Anthony Averett at Alabama. Florida State receivers this year, Joe, uh, they're going to have to step up for DeAndre Francois. So is the offensive line, for that matter. Well, this is what it's all about. College football front and center stage. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the games from Thursday night. Ohio State, Indiana on tap. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
back on college football today. Joe Lisi, Ritz, Sermonello talking week one of the college football season. Question on YouTube Live, Rich. Who's this year's Lamar Jackson? I think from an athleticism standpoint, it is Quentin Flowers. But I'm going to go with my personal favorite, Oklahoma State quarterback Mason Rudolph. 28 touchdown passes last year. Only four interceptions. Has possibly two of the best wide receivers in college football, James Washington and Jalen McCleskey. I like Oklahoma State to make it to the playoff. I think they're going to be loaded, and I think Rudolph is live at 20-1. to 1. Mm, Okay. Well, I, listen, I love Oklahoma State and Rudolph, but if you want to draw a comparison to Lamar Jackson, let me think here. We, we, we need to find someone who uh, showed flashes as a true freshman, as Lamar did in 2015, and someone who is absolutely going to explode as a dual threat this year, I'm going to go Jared Stidham of Auburn. Ooh. Right, he showed us a little bit as a rookie at Baylor. Uh, no, stop shaking uh, your head, Joe. Rich. Stop it. He um, is going to be dynamic. You combine him with Chip Lindsey, the offensive coordinator. You combine him with those backs, Cameron Petway, Carryon Johnson, wide receivers that have been underutilized the past couple of years uh, since they haven't had quality quarterback play. Jared Stidham. Is this year's Lamar Jackson someone who goes from zero to 60 in a heartbeat? Well, he better. Otherwise, not as gu- fast as Lamar Jackson. The, I'm talking about his Heisman the, run. The, basically, the, the Gus bus will be out of uh, out of the plains in Auburn. It's not going to be a problem. I'll tell you this: I picked that team at seven and five overall. They only had one game over the last 26 games, Rich, where they passed for over 300 yards. It came in the loss in 2015 to Ole Miss. They passed for 305 against Chad Kelly and the Rebels in that ball game. But you're talking about an offense that is predicated on running the football. They averaged 271 yards on the ground last year when they made it to the national championship game against florida state it was 328 but now you have a new offensive coordinator in Lindsay and a new quarterback that let's be honest this is going to be the biggest atmosphere that he's faced there's not one atmosphere or stadium in the big 12 like the sec and when you have to go to stadiums like georgia like you know alabama auburn as a whole i mean Come Let me on. tell you something. SEC, the SEC had, first of all, in those last 26 games where they struggled as a passing team, how many was Jared Stidham the quarterback? Yeah, but I'm talking about an offensive philosophy where they yeah, built the their offense around. philosophy is changing. That's why they brought in Chip Lindsey. And, and listen, Gus Malzahn is an innovator. He has proven that in the past. And I don't care if it's predicated on the running game. That's great. That means he has support on that offense. That That's not a problem. And oh, by the way, I hate to break this to fans out there of the SEC. There's a lot of bad defenses in the SEC. I mean, Arkansas, right? I mean, uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas A&M. There's a lot of bad defenses. It's, you know, outside of Alabama, LSU, Florida, Georgia this year should be dynamic defensively. There's a lot of mediocrity. So, yeah, big stage of the SEC, but I don't think that landscape is going to prevent Jared Stidham from flourishing. But much to your point, you said that he has to start fast, and I think there's a learning curve there. So if it, you're going from an, uh, an offense that's running the football consistently, now you're going to work in the pass. They did this two years ago. 
with Jeremy Johnson. How did it work? It did not work totally well. Totally different talents. Jeremy Johnson was not ready for the for prime time. But I, I still think it's a learning curve, and I think it that's, will be. So and, to and win listen, the Heisman, though, so to win the Heisman, so, yeah. do you think it's this year with Stidham, or could it be next year? That's that's what I'm saying with Stidham. I think expectations. It's going to be difficult this year because I I do believe he's going to struggle in week two against Clemson. Right. So I I think if he makes a run, if he makes a run, it's going to happen during the SEC schedule, and it's going to require an upset of Alabama. Quite frankly, I'll throw another player that we that please we do of. DeAndre Francois. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was I mean, thinking the same. Sophomore thing. quarterback battle tested. If he knocks off Alabama yeah. and then knocks yeah. off Louisville and then knocks off Clemson. The, uh, there's your Lamar well, Jackson. And he knocks off the Patriots. I mean, what else does he have to do at this point? <laughs> but I'm point? just saying, I mean, if you're looking for a player yeah. to have a body of very work. Very talented, very talented. I worry about the supporting cast. Oh, I agree with you. He I, took I'm just in, saying, and if he, he does a, it. He was a garnet and gold pinata last year. Oh, he year. was. Offensive I mean, line he was, was a brutalized. Concern. And the offensive line, I don't think, I don't think the offensive line is going to be very good. That's my concern week one, and we keep going back. Right. All, all, all roads lead right. back to uh, Florida State, uh, Alabama. It week seems one. that way, right? But that offensive line of Florida State, which is mediocre at best, right. against Nick Saban's defense with an entire offseason to prepare, I'll probably say it a lot next week, and Deron Payne and Deshaun Hand and that defensive line. That's a problem for DeAndre Francois. Not his talent, but the supporting cast. Well, let's kick gears. Let's yes, change it let's up. Let's do it. Let's talk about Thursday night. Urban Meyer and Ohio State open on the road in Bloomington. Tom Allen and Indiana. Mm. This is an Ohio State team that has defeated Indiana 22 straight times. Last loss Jared came- Stidham wasn't playing in any of those games. <laughs> Last yeah. loss came in 1988. Yeah. I mean, think about that. You know who the quarterback was? Personal friend of the show, Greg Fry. But outside of that, they've beaten Indiana by 20.6 points per game. I'm telling you this right now. Upset special. Yeah. 31 24, yeah. Indiana wins this ballgame. Yeah, listen, I love And Morenci's not even on the, uh, on the call. I think Morenci's going to like <laughs> Indiana as well. I, I think that's a solid pick. I mean, it's in Bloomington. You have Tom Allen, who is obviously excited. The players love playing for Tom Allen, the new head coach at Indiana. Uh, Storyline you have Kevin Wilson, former Hoosier head coach, now the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. I have really high hopes for Ohio State this year. I, I think they could win a national championship. I think they're clearly the class of the Big Ten. Joe disagrees with me. I, I know that. Um, but I think it's going to take some time. I, I don't think this offense is going to be in top gear right out of the gate. Indiana has some quality on the back seven, right? You look at Tegray Scales, the linebacker, Marcelino Ball, Rashard Fant in the secondary. So Indiana is not without defensive talent. They have a returning quarterback in Richard Lago going up against the rebuilt secondary of Ohio State. A lot of talent, but again, first start for plenty of these players. And I love the receiving core of Indiana. Now, we don't know yet if Simi Cobbs is going to be available. He's had some off-field issues, but Nick Nick Westbrook stepped up last year and played exceedingly well. So I agree. I think this is a four-quarter game, and, and if I can... If I'm correct, I mean, how many points is Indiana again? Close to three touchdowns? Yeah, 20 and a half, yeah. 21. I'll say this for all the Ohio State faithful. I have reasons why I'm not high on Ohio State. I picked them at eight and four this year. What are the residual effects of their 31 to nothing loss against Clemson? Everybody says, oh, Urban Meyer is just going to coach them up. It's Urban Meyer. It was one of the worst losses in his career. You can go back to 2015 where Michigan State got blown out by Alabama 
38 to nothing in the college football playoff. Everybody thought D'Antonio and the crew would reload. They limped to a 3-9 and nine overall record, but it's more than that. They lose 19 of the team's 26 receiving touchdowns with Noah Brown, Wilson, and Samuel moving on to the NFL. Those are huge losses, Rich. And when you look at the pressure on JT Barrett as a starting quarterback, I mean, a very inconsistent passer down the stretch last year. And now you mentioned Westbrook and Lego going up against that secondary, which, oh, by the way, loses Luke Fickle, the defensive coordinator, to Cincinnati. Nobody seems to be talking about that. And leading tackler Raquan McMillan. Yeah, let, let, me, let me tackle these one at a time Uh-oh. like it's whack-a-mole. Okay, um, okay. First of all, there are certain coaches and certain programs that are demoralized by that kind of a loss. That is not Ohio State, and that is not Urban Meyer. If anything, I think that has galvanized and motivated this program. Now, I think it's going to be a close game against Indiana, but I think they're going to be dynamic all season long because Urban Meyer remembers that 31 to nothing loss, and so does Ohio State. That's number one. And number two, listen, I, I'm not going to miss Noah Brown. I mean, Noah Brown was a one-game wonder against Oklahoma. And, and Curtis Samuel will be missed. But my point is, Ohio State is in that rarefied territory, maybe half a dozen programs that they just reload year after year. So, you know, those departures to the NFL – the early entries to the draft, all that means is now we get to know an entirely new set of stars, right? The Denzel Wards, the Jordan Fullers in the secondary. Uh, I, I don't think they're really going to skip a beat in terms of pass defense, especially with a defensive line that will challenge Clemson as the best in the country. Well, last time I checked, Urban Meyer isn't putting on the pads and helmet for that ball game. So that's number one. I, I told you this the last time with the secondary. That's the concern I have. Yes, experienced players might be plug-and-play, but that is the one group where communication is key. They have to understand coverage. They have to understand formations, and they have to communicate as a unit. And when you look, guess who's on deck in week number two in Columbus? It is Baker, Mayfield, and Oklahoma. For a young, inexperienced group as a whole, are they looking ahead to that week two matchup? That's the concern you have if you're a Buckeyes fan entering this ballgame. Well, it's a good thing it's a Big Ten game. Uh, It's a Big Ten matchup, so I don't think they'll be looking ahead to week two, possibly thinking about it, but it's a Big Ten matchup. They'll be ready. When we we come back from break, we'll be talking to former Tennessee standout, J.J. McCleskey. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. State and Mike Gundy open up week number one against Tulsa. What better way to talk Oak State than with the father of one of the standouts on the on the team, Jalen McCleskey. He's live on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. Want to welcome in former Tennessee standout and NFL standout, J.J. McCleskey. J.J., how are you today? Doing well, guys. How you guys doing? 
uh, great college football starts. Week number one, we're chomping at the bit here. But do want to talk about Jalen's progression as a freshman entering his junior season. 73 receptions last year. He reminds me, JJ, I told you this, as of a young Tory Holt. His route running ability is second to none. What can we expect from Jalen's game in 2017? Well, I tell you, he's uh, done a great job of just really getting stronger in the weight room. Uh, he's always, always been stronger, but just actually putting on more weight. He just turned 20 last week, so he's kind of young. Uh, I didn't get the memo about, you know, holding kids back. So uh, we just thought about always, you know, working hard and doing things the hard way. Uh, but um, I think that uh, they got a great team, great quarterback. Uh, I'm very excited. It seemed like this has been the longest offseason I've ever seen it, ever. Um, so I just think with the, the preparation and uh, the hard work and the, just staying focused, uh, I think Jalen's looking for a good season. Hey, J.J., I, I have long felt that Mike Gundy is among the most underrated coaches in college football. Year after year after year, those guys are so good, right around 10 wins. As a dad, what went into the decision-making process, or, or really for the family, when Jalen decided to become a Cowboy? Well, actually, this is the funniest thing. I might have talked to Coach Gundy for five minutes during the whole recruiting process. Matter of fact, uh, there's a running back that's in Seattle right now by the name of Chris Carson who's doing really well. And um, uh, Gundy home, home visit, they were really trying to get Chris Carson to come in from JUCO. So they actually uh, asked me uh, it would it be all right if they canceled the in-home visit and uh, go out there and uh, visit with uh, Chris Carson. Uh, the, the staff, and I said, oh, God, yeah, cause we was definitely locked in. Uh, coach Dunn, the receiver coach, and, and Coach Henderson, uh, who's at San Diego right now, did a great job recruiting uh, Jalen. Uh, you know, you look at the offense. Uh, Jalen and I went to the West Virginia game and watched Mason Rudolph in warm-ups. We didn't know Mason was going to play uh, later in the year, but we, we wanted to see him, how he threw the ball. So we went to a, a game in, uh, in Stillwater and watched him in warm-ups, and, and once we saw that uh, – he was done with the decision. But I will say this, Mike Gundy culture is outstanding for players. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Coach Gundy uh, for a, a good bit uh, this off season, and I'm going to tell you right now, uh, he takes care of his players. Uh, their practices are, are, are monitored. I, I know if Jalen gets so many steps in practice, they might shut him down for the next day. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's really scientific. Uh, I mean, just a good culture guy. Most of the guys are hard workers, and I'm just very impressed with Coach Gundy and, and how he does things. J.J., when you look at the rushing attack, you mentioned Chris Carson moving on to the NFL, and now Justice Hill, who really seemed to come on at the second half of the season. How important is he to this offense? Because when you look at Oklahoma State, I feel like they can outscore any team in the Big 12, but how, how important is that rushing attack with Justice Hill? I tell you one thing, uh, Justice Hill is uh, a great running back. Uh, did a great job last year, but he's put on about 15 pounds. Uh, I saw a video where he was squatting on 500 pounds. Um, having that guy that they know that can hit the hole, he's very explosive, 40-inch vertical jump guy. Uh, anytime you get that with, with all the receivers they have, it only makes it tough for the defense. And that's what you want to do. You want to keep the defense honest. When you can keep the defense from guessing and, and putting the extra uh, hat in the box, uh, it makes it easier for Mason Rudolph to read the defenses. And just as a whole, just makes it easier for the team. 
You know, keeping it on uh, defense, JJ, let's talk a little bit about uh, OSU's defense. Uh, You know, it's a unit that can get after the quarterback traditionally create turnovers, but they've been soft at times as well. What are the expectations for that side of the ball in terms of carrying maybe a little more of the weight along with the offense? I might be partial when I say this because I know most of the guys that that's playing. I think they're going to be a, they're going to be better this year. I think that they have guys at the defensive end that they can rotate uh, four or five different defensive ends that have played uh, at this level. Uh, I think their linebacker core should be better uh, this year. They have young cornerbacks, uh, which you know fit in that new NFL mode. Most NFL teams don't want corners that's, that's under six foot now, so they got some lone guys that are, are, are young. Uh, Coach Spencer, I think he's going to be very aggressive this year because he has those young corners, and uh, I'm looking forward to. It. I think I think Coach Gundy has done a great job putting together his 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 his, his model, and that's why they win ten games a year. And uh, I'm looking forward to to a, to a good season for those guys. Yeah, they're one of my playoff teams, JJ. But I want to switch gears. I want to get a take on your former alma mater. We had another Tennessee great Charles Davis on the show last week. Butch Jones, in my opinion, on the hot seat. Uh, give me your thoughts about the Volunteers, and, and more importantly, can they compete for an SEC East title this season? Can I ask you a question? Why would Butch Jones be on the hot seat? He's won nine games the last three Thank years. You. When he took over the program, when he took over the program, it was a debacle. Our program was a debacle. I mean, it, it, no talent. I'm not going to say no talent. <clears throat> I'm going to say it wasn't the talent that Tennessee had. And now Bush Jones has had some good recruiting classes. He's got a good recruiting class coming in now. <clears throat> He's changed the culture in Knoxville. And to say nine wins is not good enough in the SEC, three years in a row, and the guys on the hot seat, wow. Yeah, I, listen, I, I agree. Joe and I have had this discussion on the air. I, I think that – I, I think that it takes some time. I, I think we have uh, we've elevated the expectations a little too much for for Tennessee, and I think he has built a good culture down uh, in Knoxville. So uh, heading into this season, what are your thoughts? Mine, just to give you a, a clue, real quick, is this team was beaten up so bad and lost so many players to injury. I think Tennessee could be a bit a bit of a surprise in 2017. I went and watched practice about two weeks ago. Great-looking team. Uh, strength coach Rocky has done a great job with them this offseason. Um, I think the key to Tennessee this year is going to be the quarterback play. Uh, if they can get some consistency out of, the, out of the two guys that's competing for that job, uh, I think Tennessee could win nine, eight to nine to ten games. Uh, you look at their schedule, uh, you know, of course you play LSU this year. Uh, you, of course, have Alabama every year. And you have Georgia and Florida. So that's four games right there on your schedule that you know you're going to be in a dogfight. JJ, I I believe he is on the hot seat, and and I'm not going to take away from what Butch Jones has brought there. You mentioned three straight nine-win seasons and and where he took it from Lane Kiffin and Derek Dooley. I can't argue that point, but what I can see, though, is the expectations surrounding the fan base in Knoxville. This team had 17 starters last year, and expectations were for them to win the SEC East and they didn't come through. Now they have a lot of inexperience on the offensive side of the ball. At what point does this team expect to win a title? I can I can I can see where you're going with that. But I tell you one thing: the last time we got greedy like this, 
we fired a guy by the name of Phil Fulmer, and look how that turned out. No, I agree with you. I think Fulmer was one of the best coaches, brought a national championship in 1998, so I agree with you. I'm j- I, I know you're close to the program. That's why I, I asked that. I, 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 think, I think the key to this is, is one, is he still recruiting at a high level, okay? You have the number one recruiting class in the SEC right now, okay? If this guy was not recruiting at a high level, then you might say, okay, well, maybe we got to adjust some things. But you have three nine-win seasons uh, in, in a row. You're recruiting at a high level. I think for the first time you have stability in the program with a new athletic director. What are your thoughts on Quentin Dormady? Uh, I, I've, I've watched film of him, albeit it was not big-time game film, so we don't know what's going to happen until Saturdays arrive. But uh, I was impressed – by his pocket presence and his ability to make throws, what's the chatter around Knoxville in terms of the quarterback position uh, this season? Well, I think he's a guy. That he, 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 he's a, he's, he's a great-looking kid. I mean, he's got great size, uh, throws a tight spiral, can throw it with touch. Uh, you know, he's a guy that's just going to have to have confidence. I mean, if he comes in and he plays the first couple of games with confidence, uh, I think it would be his job to, to, to lose. Um I really like how he he handles himself on the field. His mannerisms are outstanding. Uh, I think he's a little bit more mature uh, than the other quarterback. But, again, the other quarterback has a lot of swag, so uh, you never know how that goes. It'll be interesting uh, in Atlanta um, next week how Tennessee comes to Georgia Tech. JJ, it's always a pleasure. We love the great insight. We wish Jalen and the Cowboys the best this season. We hope to get you on again as the season progresses. We hope you enjoyed it today. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. That was great. I mean, he was hot. I mean, you know, I get people I like hot. That he all fired I, back. Yeah, I yeah. like that. But I like yeah. the intensity. I, I have no problem with the Tennessee faithful sticking up for the program and Butch Jones. That's not the point that I was trying to make. But at what point do we say enough is enough? A nine-win season is great. But when you're Tennessee rich and you're bringing back 17 total starters, mm. you had a four-year they quarterback. They were banged up, though, last year. I, I, they really were banged up last but year. But excuses. I, I, I mean, don't want to give do too it much on the cover field. to Butch Jones, but, but they did not have the full complement. They are recruiting well. These are these are nine win seasons that they're having. This isn't Charlie Strong going six and seven. So right. I I think he's not at that point. Listen, at some point he's going to have to win the SEC East. No question about and it. You and said, at some point soon, you said if they go six and six, he'd be out. Oh, I mean that that would be a regression. Right. That'd be a real problem. We'll pick it up on the backside. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello. We're just getting started. Keep it where it is. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Four hours away from the start of the official kickoff of the 2017 college football season. Rich and I gave our predictions for the four games on tap today, but what better way to talk Vegas, talk college football gambling than with the in-house expert. You've seen him on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Game time decisions. Well, I want to welcome in Gabe Morenci. Gabe, how are you today? 
I'm excited to be here, guys. It's been 228 days <laughs> since the Clemson Tigers beat the Alabama Crimson Tide. And even though we've got four games on the board today that we probably wouldn't be talking about on a usual Saturday three four weeks from now, I tell you what, Colorado State and Oregon State are looking looking pretty damn good right now. Well, let's start right there with that matchup in Fort Collins. Intriguing Pac-12 Mountain West battle. I love Oregon State here, Gabe. How do you see this game playing out a little bit later today? You know, I think a lot of people are walking into a trap here, Joe. It's not often you're getting a Pac-12 team getting points against a Mountain West football team. And, you know, you look at this Beaver team and cause medically, you know, yeah. They're not what they used to be. You know, there's no Jaquiz Rogers. There's no Ocho Cinco uh, out there right now. Uh, but, you know, they quietly won 8-4 and four against the spread uh, last year. You know, we saw they doubled the win total from two up to four. I think this is a bowl team uh, this year, guys. I think, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for Coach Anderson. We've seen him in the past. Usually it takes about three years for a college coach, you know, to get his players in there. If I'm, if I'm out there in Corvallis right now, I, I'm patient. You know, don't don't say to yourself, well, we only won five games this year. We're going to get rid of Coach Anderson. We see this time and time again with collegiate programs that let a coach go when he's a damn good coach and you're not going to get a better coach. And it's not like people are lining up. It's not the hottest job in college football. So I think they're lucky to have Coach Anderson there. But with that being stated, they're going into a hotbed uh, with a loaded offense you know, and I got a lot of respect for Coach Bobo's offense also in his third year. You know, a stacked offense, a veteran quarterback, deep backfield, stud wide receivers. You know, I think there's going to be some points on the board in this football game. I'm not ready to lay four points. I think that this game's going to come down to the wire. I think Colorado State's going to win a close up football game. Uh, but my best bet in this football game, I expect to track me, guys. I don't think, you know, we saw what the Vandals uh, did to this Rams offense. You know, this is a Mountain West team still against a Pac-12 team. I think the physicality of the Beavers will be able to move the ball and move the sticks up and down the field. I'm not ready to lay four points here. I don't really want to uh, suggest taking the points. I do think Colorado State are going to win a close football game, you know, in the – you know, 33-30 range, 35-34, etc. I think we're going to have an entertaining, high-scoring football game. I like the over in this contest. Hey, hey, hey Gabe, it's Rich. Um, how much of a, I wouldn't say concern, but how interested are you in watching the new Oregon State quarterback? We know Nick Stevens on the Colorado State side, but Jake Luton comes from the junior college ranks, uh, never played at this level. Uh, curious to see what he could do today? Yes, I, I am. You know, I, Football is a quarterback-driven sport. We know this, and it's an obvious statement. Uh, but you know, the Beavers have been miss, you know packing that, uh, missing that that punch at the quarterback position over the years. I mean, Rich, I watched some Beaver games over the last two years. It's a carousel back there. They they had kids playing their first collegiate games, and then they end up transferring. They still left the program uh, in a lurch. Uh, but I think they do have a quarterback right now uh, that can move the ball uh, for them. Very very intriguing. Like I said, I think this this can be a bowl team. I think they can compete for a bowl team. We're talking about a football team, you know, with a little bit of confidence, beating Arizona, beating the Ducks last year. They believe in themselves. They're coming into this football game thinking they can win this game. I don't really doubt them, but I have to go with the home field. I, you know, I like the experience on the offense. 
Um, I like the fact that, you know, they don't have to throw the football in every down anymore at Colorado State. I like the diversity uh, of, of the offense in this game. That's why I'm going with the over here. But, yeah, you know what, Rich, I am intrigued by this Beaver team. And I'm going to have my eye on this team all year long. If they can get production out of Luton, they're going to be a dangerous team to play. Like I said, they went 4-8 and eight straight up last year, but they were 8-4 and four against the number. So, in other words, when you're 8-4 and four against the number, it means you're a tough team to play. You're a tough out every Saturday. Yeah, and that, that's what I see from this team of physicality on the offense and defensive lines. We'll see how it plays out because Colorado straight, State over the last 28 games, Gabe, very good against the number. I think their record is 19-9 and at home. So that's something to keep an eye out for in this matchup. Let's look but at this. the level of competition, Joe, right? That's exactly. The level of competition they're playing. You know, you're up to look last year. I know we'll move on to the next game, but both these teams like the way they ended their years last year. You know, with the exception of you know losing the bowl game, obviously, uh, but that that Ram offense, you know, last the last half of the season, the last six games, they average over forty eight points a game, and and you look at this Oregon State team, you know, you got seven starters back on offense. I just think Oregon State are going to be able to run the ball uh, down Colorado State's uh, throat. You know, you know the typical Colorado State uh, scores rather quickly. You know, three four minute drive, and then you know Oregon State sort of punches it down. The big key to this game. Can Oregon State convert on, four, you know, on a third down after a six, seven minute drive when they get to the, the Rams 28 yard line or so? Will that, will the, will the drive stall or not? But I got a slightly, I'll be honest with you. I parlayed Colorado State money line with Floyd Mayweather tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You gotta mix, mix, you know, mix it together, guys. This is the biggest fight of the year, right? So I parlay Colorado State with Floyd Mayweather and money line. That's minus one ten. So you get it about even money, and I like the over of this game too. Wow, that's that's an intriguing take, Gabe. But we'll see how that plays out. That's a two thirty kick on the East Coast here. So we'll see a little bit later in for Collins. I'm gonna give you a, a, a game that I'm really high on. I like San Jose State plus the points. I think they play this game very close against Charlie Strong and Quinton Flowers. I love that secondary for the Spartans in this matchup. This is, this is, a, this is a dangerous uh, football game uh, here for, for South Florida. I can understand why you would like to get the 21.5 points. I just wonder, are they going to be able to stop? Um, are they going to be able to stop this? this quarterback in the rushing attack of the South Florida Bulls. It's no secret, Joe. I know I've told you, and I've been very vocal with everybody about this. I think Coach Strong, you know, Coach Strong has an opportunity here at some big, big-time redemption. He's got a hell of a football team. He's got talent, and he's got a very, very manageable schedule. But you're right. I mean, Coach Strong, he doesn't care about winning this football game by 22 points tonight. <laughs> you know, he just he just needs to to get that W uh, next to the USF Bulls uh, in the ledger. It's it's a dangerous game. I'm not in a hurry to be laying 21 and a half uh, points uh, in this football game either. It's a tough. Uh, yeah, it's a tough spot uh, for South Florida to open up in the Bay Area like this in their first game of the year. But with that being stated, San Jose is rebuilding right now. In the trenches, they're going to have a very, very uh, difficult time. And, you know, South Florida's one weakness is that defensive line. You can run on South Florida. I just wonder if San Jose State's going to be able to do it. Uh, but nobody's getting rich, Joe, laying uh, 20, 21 and a half points uh, on the road. You know, the, you get backdoored. And, you know, if you're... 
if you know you're relatively new to batting, when I say backdoored, you're laying 21 and a half points on the road. That means South Florida could be up by 24 with four minutes left. They could be up by 27 with four minutes left. Hell, they could be up by 28 with four minutes left. You know, San Jose State scores a touchdown with a minute left. Boom, we don't cover the point spread. That's why we call it, you know, you got backdoored uh, at the last second. You know, I'm, I'm very weary of this. I think South Florida will pull away in this football game. You know, I think they'll be up, you know, 35 35-14-ish. I think they'll be up by 21 most of the night. But, you know, it'll sort of be a pendulum who scores last. And it's a dangerous way to live. Listen, we're all excited for college football. I mean, I I can't freaking wait. I'm fired up. Uh, I'm going to have action on all four games. But I want to caution people. You know, are these games that you'd be betting next Saturday? You know, when Michigan are playing Florida next Saturday afternoon, are you betting betting the Hawaii-UMass game? You know, are we paying as much attention um, to a South Florida bowl team like 21 and a half against the Spartans um, as, as we are with a full slate. And this is the thing with college uh, football. I'll put, it, uh, I'll put it in the terms that a lot of our listeners, this is for Corey Parson as well, you know. <laughs> the girls start looking better the later it gets into the night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> At the bars. <laughs> so these games are looking better right now. You know, we're like sailors getting off a ship you know, after eight months. We got money to spend and we want a party. Uh, but I, I caution, show some patience today, guys. These aren't the best betting matchups. Some interesting, you know, fun games here, but they're not the best uh, betting matchups. But I, I think this I think this is going to be a track meet here as well. I just don't see how San Jose State is going to be able to stop South Florida. I think South Florida are going to put 45-plus up on the board, and I think San Jose State can give us some points as well. It's a high number, but it's a high number for a reason. I'm going to go over. I'm going to bet the over in all four games, to be honest with you guys. I like the over 61.5 in Oregon State, Colorado State. I like the over 70.5 in South Florida, San Jose State. I like the over in uh, Rice-Stanford this evening. You know, they played in the last game of the year last year. It was 41-17. You know, I know it was, a, it was a flat spot for Stanford last year. You know, it was the last game of the year because the game was rescheduled. It was canceled earlier in the year. So it was, it was a really flat spot for them. And I know that Stanford have the USC Trojans up next. Weird scheduling spot. And San Diego State and UCLA subsequently uh, after that. Even with that being stated, they have a bye week, uh, you know, to, to buffer back, you know, after the trip back from Australia. I don't see how Rice are going to be able to slow down uh, Stanford's rushing attack. And I know that Shaw, listen, Shaw isn't, um, you know, we're not talking about Jack Pardee here. He's going to run it up and score 95 points, you know. Uh, you know, we're not looking at, uh, you know, this isn't the old Andre Ward uh, days where they're going to hang 95 on the board on these guys. But I just don't see how Stanford don't get into the 40s. I think Rice can give us a couple of touchdowns. You know, a 45-14 football game wouldn't shock me there at all. I think the number's a little too low. Gabe, always a pleasure, Gable. Kicking it back on the back end of the hour. Looking forward to it. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonella, live from New York, Studio 34.
Back on College Football Today, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, talking week one. We had some great insight from Gabe Morenci about the four games today. I will say this, though, Rich, when you look at that South Florida game, I think that's one particular game. He said high scoring. I think in order for San Jose State to win that game, I think it has to be low scoring because I think they need to run the football and keep Quentin Flowers off the field. So that's the one, when I look at those matchups, that's the one game I could see a lower scoring game than people think. Well, and, and I think there are a lot of unknowns for the San Jose State offense. You've got a new backfield, question marks on the offensive line, which we talked about in an earlier segment. What was the number, 50 sacks given up last year 50. by San Jose? That's Dead staggering. Last. And and I, I think we're, we're dogging the South Florida defense a little bit too much today. I, I think with Charlie Strong there, veterans at every level good speed and again i'll I'll harp on the fact that i like the interior defensive linemen deadron cnet and bruce hector they're quick gap busters so i i don't expect to see too much flex out of that south florida defense i I think they'll actually show up to play today yeah it should be intriguing like i said i think south uh, south florida wins that game i think it's i think it's a lot closer than people think i think san jose state is in the area of 13 14 points for much of the way but i expect a lower scoring game in that matchup total is right around 71 the other game i think that won't be as high scoring because i don't think rice can allow it is that stanford matchup in australia I think for Rice to win that ball game, they need to methodically work down the field, ball control type of attack to keep Stanford's offense off the field and more importantly, preserve their defensive front seven. I totally agree. I mean, I I disagree with the notion. I I think we'll see a lot of points today in general, but I don't think we're going to see a lot of points in Stanford Rice. I mean, Rice has a new starting quarterback. Uh, their average on the offensive line, going up against what is traditionally a very stout Stanford defense. Again, I'm on record as saying that I love the Cardinals secondary, and I'm also worried about the Stanford offense. No Christian McCaffrey, a quarterback playing his first game since a serious knee injury in the bowl game. So I think both offenses will be feeling their way out. I don't expect to see a ton of points in Australia later this evening. And we're both in agreement that we expect Rice to keep it close for the most part. I think Stanford could jump out early. Again, they're not going to want to show a whole lot with that Week 3 matchup against USC. Even though they have a bye week, they don't want to give Clay Helton and Sam Darnold any type of game film so they can attack that secondary or more importantly the defense of week number three I will say this in terms of that UMass Hawaii game that's one game I really think could be explosive because of the quarterback play you look at Drew Brown 19 touchdown passes Andrew Ford 26 touchdown passes from an offensive scheme perspective that's one game that I think could we could see just like last year 46 40 but in this in this matchup I really like Hawaii I think they can win by 10 to 13 points yeah, I, I think uh, I think a, a Bahamas Bowl could break yeah. out in that matchup between Hawaii and UMass, where you have teams going up and down the field, plenty of scoring. The passing attacks, I think, will be successful. I'm not as high on Hawaii as you are. I like UMass. I think they win that game outright. Uh, and quickly on Stanford Rice, uh, to me, I'm looking at like a 31 to 10. 
31, 13, yeah. 33, 13, can, that kind of a methodical, game? Methodical, ugly. Yeah. I just don't think it's going to be, you know, 38, 31 or 56 I to 10 see in that, that matchup. Rice does not have the firepower to do that to Stanford. I'm not sure if Stanford has enough firepower. And quickly, one important thing Gabe did mention as much as I like South Florida to cruise in this game against San Jose State, backdoor cover would scare me because it is that type of game where you have the second and third teamers of South Florida in there and San Jose State wants to get some momentum before next week's game. I still see this game, though, from the get-go. I see this game being a game. It would surprise me. It would. And then, you know, Charlie Strong gets a little tight. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing you know, we'll see what happens. But this is what it's all about. College football is back. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network.